for listening to Redeemer Church of Denton's sermon audio. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit us online at RedeemerDenton.com. All right. It's good to have the privilege to preach today. Um, if I happen to ever have a deer and headlights look, which I'm trying to hide with glasses, but they may go on and off. Uh, my main preaching experience about 80% of the time is as a bivocational preacher in Travis, Texas with my booming congregation of eight. So that could explain the, the deer and headlights. Look, if you, if you see it in me, hopefully not. Um, I am the care chaplain here, and uh, it is my privilege to, to minister to people who are hurting, and uh, we have several people in our congregation that have, have just chronic illnesses, and uh, I just wanted to let you know before I get started on my sermon that if, if you have a need, every need is a big need to you. If, if, if you have someone who, a loved one who is sick, or if you have a relative who is not walking with the Lord, if, if you would feel free or want to, to let me know, I would be privileged to pray for you. So just, if, that's, if the Lord leads you, please do that. Um, a couple of things, um, and I was thinking about, I do this introduction to maybe get, hopefully by the time I get to my sermon, I can have all the quakes and quivers out of my voice. So there's a f- few introductory comments. Um, Two things I know that everybody can say, will be able to say after this sermon is over. One is that out of all the sermons I've ever heard, that's one of them. (laughs) Now, shift over to the next statement, which is, could be positive, it might not be. You could say, all of you, I have never heard a sermon quite like that. Could be positive, maybe not. So, and I am pretty sure one of the things that no one is going to say is, I wish he would just have used more scripture. I'm, 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 I'm pretty confident that you're not going to say that. So let's get started. Uh, my text today is Isaiah 41.10, and God says, Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. You know, my uh, most fearful time in my life was when I was about a six-year-old. And I I know that you're a child, and and you're going to say, well, that's just childish things. And, you know, children are fearful. But yes and no. I, I do think that during this time I'm fixing to describe to you that really Satan was really at work to try to keep me from the peace of just knowing who God was and all that he had for me. But um, I would go to night, bed at night with the light on, my eyes open, because I had the fear that someone or something was gonna come in and harm me. And so uh, also, when my dad was a mailman and he would come home about 3.30 every day, or many days anyway, 
about the time he was supposed to come home, and it wasn't time for him to come home, but it was close, and I would just have this paralyzing fear that something had happened to my dad, and he wasn't coming home. And then I watched the, the great classic movie, the six-year-old Gary, The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and so you know where I'm going with this after you've heard, heard all this, okay? I, I, and it was very real to me. I can laugh about it now, but it was very real to me then. I thought for weeks that the Wicked Witch of the West was out to get me. And so everywhere my mom went, there I was, right, on her leg holding on. So these, these were all fears. Like I said, I do, I do believe this truly, and I'm, I'm gonna tell the rest of the story and, and, and somewhere in my sermon where I accepted Christ. And, but this, this was a very uh, fearful time for me. Um, there's a song by Rich Mullins that I think kind of expresses how we feel sometimes with, uh, with trials. It says, well, sometimes my life just don't make sense at all when the mountains look so big and my faith seems so small. And I wake up at night and feel the dark. It's so hot inside my soul. I swear there must be blisters on my heart. Surrender don't come natural to me. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want. And the Salvation Army is playing this hymn and your grace rings out so deep. It makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been the king of glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? And this is what this sermon is all about. I, my, my goal is, by the end of this sermon, I, I trust that by, by God's revealing this to you by the Spirit, that you're going to understand what a big, awesome God that you have and how much He is caring for you at all times. That it doesn't mean that things still aren't going to be difficult, but if you... Just, we can all grasp how present God is always. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change things. Uh, so my prayer is to borrow uh, from another Christian artist. My prayer is, because I promise you that Gary Carlson doesn't have anything wonderful to say, but the Word of God does, and that is what this sermon is about, is in this song it says, Word of God speak. Won't you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, and be still and know that God is in this place. Please let us rest in your holiness. So I pray that as we see God's word, we will understand how present God is here with us today, but also with us always. Um, I know from my Redeemer here, at, uh, my ministry here at Redeemer is Care Chaplain, there are some people with some hurts uh, every day is, is a struggle. And perhaps this is uh, Christian counselor David Pallison says, your cares are bigger than you. You're under pressure. You're vulnerable and you know it. You're burdened about matters you cannot control or fix. You feel careworn, crushed, threatened. You know, I cannot even begin to know uh, all of the hurts and pains that, that y'all have at times or maybe have right now. 
But God knows every hurt and every care that you have, and he is there present with you. You know, when you read the Psalms, as you read through the Psalms, you'll notice, and we're talking about mostly a lot of them by David, a very, very godly man. But you'll notice that as you read through the Psalms, and they're in the middle of them, and they lose all perspective of God. They're like, God, where are you? God, why have you forsaken me? But then as you keep on reading, and you read to the end, you see that they, they see and they know that God was there all the time. And, and God gives them perspective. Uh, you know, I think most of us probably have had the unfortunate, uh, un- the unfortunate working under a boss who, let's just be real honest, I don't know where this is. Now, let's just be honest. They were a jerk, okay? All right, so you, you had a question, you were confused about something, but if you dare go ask them a question about anything, they treated you like you were the most stupid, dumbest person in the world that you would dare ask a question, okay? And then let's flip over to contrast. First, the parents. Of We have many wonderful parents here at Redeemer that I so much respect. If your child comes to you and your child is hurting and your child is, is confused or upset, then you're gonna do everything in your power that you can to calm them down, make them realize that everything is okay. How much more God who says in Psalm 103, 13, 14, just as a father has compassion on his children, the father has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he is mindful that we are but dust. And James 1, 4 says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he gives all men generously, and not without reproach, and it will be given to him. So I think we need to keep in mind as we go through difficult times, that second part of that Psalm where it says, for he knows our frame, he is mindful that we are but dust. Yes, evermore look to God and trust him, but just give yourself grace that you are not the perfect Christian in the perfect Christian world. This world is, is, was ruined when Adam sinned and it's a tough world. So at times, maybe we all are gonna be those people that are gonna be in the middle of the Psalm to where we're struggling, but, but, but our heart, God knows our heart and we want to trust God and we want to get reoriented with all that he is and all that he has for us. So first part of the text, God says, fear not for I am with you, okay? If I or, or Grant or Josh or Micah or David Thrasher, if, if we said you were struggling with something and we said, hey, listen, it's gonna be okay, fear not. Because don't, don't be afraid, because I'm, I'm going to help you. God does use us and each other's lives to do that. But you know, there's a problem with that. As much as any of us could care, we cannot be there 24-7. We can't be there like in the middle of the night. We can't be there any time, any place. But God can, and he is.
And so when God says, fear not, I am with you, then we have a certain promise. It says in Psalm 910, those who know your name will trust in you, for you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. In proportion to how big we see God is, and we need to be reminded constantly of that, we're gonna know how much we can trust him. So I'd like to look at a few characteristics of God. First of all, God is wise. This means that God always chooses the best goals and the best way to accomplish his goals. It says in Job 12, 13, with God is wisdom. God is righteous. He always does what is right, always. God says in Isaiah 45, 15, I speak the truth. I declare what is right. God is also omniscient. He knows everything at all times. 1 John 3.20 says, God knows all things. We can know that God knows exactly what is happening with us at that moment at any given time. And not only that, we can know that God is present there and working, gonna work it together for our good because he promises in Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. God is also completely sovereign. God possesses all power and is the ruler of all things. It says in Psalm 103:19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. A.W. Pink said, God does as he pleases, only as he pleases, always as he pleases, None can thwart him. None can hinder him. You know, since God is omniscient and he's completely sovereign, whenever we come to whatever crisis we face and any hurt or pain, God is known forever that we were going to come to that point. And for sure, he knows at that very point, he knows exactly what is going on. He knows exactly what grace and power and strength that we need for that situation. He knows exactly what he's gonna give us as we trust in him. We can trust that he rules and reigns and nothing ever catches him by surprise. God is also love. Um, First of all, I just wanna say real briefly, if there's anybody here, and I'm speaking mainly to, to believers today, but if there's anybody who has not accepted Christ as their savior, God loves you, and he, he wants you to have a personal relationship with him. As his, it, He wants you to know him as your Savior and to know God as the Father. God says in Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. But I, I do want to talk to, the, to all of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ, who know Christ is our Savior. It says in Ephesians 3.19 that uh, talks about the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Uh, Lamentations 3.22 and 23 says, the Lord's loving kindness is indeed never cease for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Jeremiah 31.3 says, God says, for I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you to myself. Romans 8.39 says, for nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay, I really hope 
that as you hear these things, we are so conditioned by, by whatever to, to think that God couldn't really love me as much as he said he did, whether that's a past relationship with someone, whatever. We, we tend to think that God does love me when I'm all obedient and everything's going great and I'm, I'm that Christian person that everybody can admire, but yeah, I don't think so when I'm like disappointing him. God loves you, period. God loves you always. God loves you the way you are and surely he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So if you need to grow, he's gonna cause you to grow, but it's non-negotiable. Please, please, please thank God and read verses and meditate and remember that as a believer in Jesus Christ, God loves you always, even when you're struggling, even when you don't feel like by your standards or whoever's that you're measuring up, God loves you. His love has not changed at all. God is also omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. Psalm 139, seven through 10 says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take to the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere you go and he's always gonna be there. God is also omnipotent. God is all powerful. There are no limits to his power. Jeremiah 32, 19 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. In Revelation 24, it says, God is the Lord God Almighty. I want to try to give you, although I could have talked from the time I was born, how many ever years, every second, and I still couldn't describe to you how powerful God is. But I want to give you maybe just some highlights so we can remember how powerful our God is. It says in Psalm 147, four through five, God of God, he counts the number of the stars and gives names to them all. Our Lord is great and vast in power. Okay, so again, these numbers are so big, you're never gonna comprehend them, but supposedly scientists think there are two trillion galaxies of a hundred billion stars in each galaxy, okay? So to get us closer, although we still can't grasp a number that big, get us closer, give you an example. If I started counting by seconds and I was awake 24 hours a day, all the time, all these years, and I go one, two, three, and if I counted for 30 years, I would finally get to a billion seconds after 30 years. If I kept on counting and some miracle happened and I lived on and I lived to 30,000, it would take me 30,000 years to get to a trillion. 
So, and here we have God who named all the stars. He leads forth their host. He sustains them all, calls them all by name. And then so it says, it tells us in Isaiah 40, 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. So do you think your or my problem or difficulty, however great it seems to be or is, do you think there would be any lack in power on God's part to deal with it? No. God has got all the grace and all the power and all the strength to help you in that situation. We also see God's... Um, great power in the human body. And, and I'm just giving you like, I hit some highlights and I was just amazed with these. There's so many more details, but there are seven billion, billion, billion atoms in the body of one average size adult, okay? Your body's made up of 50 trillion cells. Your body makes up to 96 million cells every minute to replace those that have worn out. There are 25 trillion red blood cells in the human body. And there are 86 billion neurons in the human brain. Within the body of adult human, there are 100,000 miles of blood vessels. To give you an example how big that is, if you could take all of these 100,000 out and you could lay them in the end and you could wrap them, start wrapping them around the earth, you could go four times around the 25,000 mile circumference of the earth. And that is one human body. And we have eight billion humans. God's power is amazing. Surely as it Psalm, says in Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God's power uh, is also seen in the waves. Uh, Psalm 93.4 says, more than the sounds of many waters and the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. It's believed, this is theoretical now, theoretical potential, all the waves that touch the U.S. coast in a year could generate 2.64 trillion kilowatt hours of electricity. And this would take care of 64% of all the electricity needed in the U.S. in a year. A single giant wave that crashes on the coast of the United States could generate 10,000 kilowatt hours of electricity. This is enough electricity to take care of all electricity needs of an average household for one year. One wave, one giant wave. Tsunami waves can reach the height, height of 100 feet and travel at 800 miles an hour and tsunami waves can be up to 60 miles long. Uh, Isaiah 40, 28 said there is no limit to God's power. Ephesians 3, 20 tells us, and God is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think. Hebrews 1, 3 says, Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. If you can imagine with me for a minute, if I went out to the coast on Galveston, 
and branch of the Atlantic, and I took my beloved 44-ounce cup, and of the 300, there are 321 million cubic miles of ocean, and I took my cup, and wow, look, I've got 44 ounces of the ocean. You got like, so what? <laughs> I mean, and, and, and so what I'm saying is, I've just described just a few things of how great and powerful our God is. His, his power is vast. It, it is limitless. And not only that, God is so gracious that he gives us his power to deal with things where he tells us in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you get the picture. Again, when God says, fear not, for I am with you, we can fear not. God has got you, and he is in control. It also tells us in this passage, fear not, for God says he's with us. Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, and the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Jesus says, Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a great comfort to know that everywhere we go, God is with us, and he's our hope in the most difficult circumstances. David Pallison said, when you hear, take to heart and know that God is with you, everything changes, even though nothing has changed in your situation. God also says, be not dismayed, for I am your God. To be dismayed is to lose courage or purpose. It's a feeling like there's no hope for me in this situation. It's, I'm doomed to misery always. Obviously, that is exactly where Satan wants to take you. That's exactly what he wants you to think. But God says, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 43, 2-3 says, God says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. Neither will the flame burn you. God knows every about those times where we get temporarily disoriented, and he wants us to bring us back to the point where we're not dismayed, but we trust in him. Um, this is actually one passage, if you got there fast enough, that you could actually read. The rest of them I know it's impossible to keep up with. Uh, Psalm 6, we're gonna use like one example of, in David's life. I'm gonna read this real quick. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul, save me because of your loving kindness. For there's no mention of you in death, and Sheol, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of my adversaries. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They will be suddenly 
ashamed. So we see an example here of, God, of David being disoriented in this saying in verse six, uh, verse two, I'm sorry, that he's pined away. In verse three, he's greatly dismayed. And in verse six, he dissolved his couch in tears. And then David gets reoriented to who God is and says, God has heard his weeping. And then verse nine, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. So here we have an example in scripture of just getting back reoriented to who God is in the midst of our, our difficult circumstances. God says, do not be dismayed for I am your God. You know, it would have been a very nice thing if, if God could, would just, you know, we had problems and God would just go, problem gone, you know? But the beauty of it is, is God doesn't work that way. God is our God who personally, caringly, lovingly reaches out and gives us grace and power and strength. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Also in Matthew 11.29, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you. For I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. God is waiting for us to call on him in the middle of our difficulties. And as we do and we trust him, we can be like the psalmist in Psalm 92, one through four, and say, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. Um, a bulwark, bulwark is a word that you don't use every day or maybe you never heard, but it's something that protects you from dangerous situations. So it says God will be our bulwark. That means that no ultimate harm can come to us because God has got us. That doesn't mean that hurt, we're not gonna have hurt, we're not gonna have sorrow, but no ultimate harm. As the great hymn said, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. God also promises in this passage, I will strengthen you. God promises when we face difficult circumstances, he's gonna be there. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for, your, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And God tells us in Isaiah 40, 28 through 30, do you not know 
Have you not heard? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. We can count on God's strength to face our difficult situations. God also promises that he will help us. It says in uh, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength and very present help in trouble. In Isaiah 42.13, God says, for I am the Lord God who takes hold of your right hand, who says, do not fear for I will help you. A.W. Tozer said, you cannot out-hope God. You cannot out-expect God. God's ability to come through is infinite, limitless. So God is always going to be able to come through for us. And God also promises that he will uphold us. To uphold is to grasp or support something. We have a saying, I'm sure you have all heard it, maybe you said it, you're with a group of friends, you say, I got this, I got this. Well, I got good news for you. God wants us to know and hear, I got this, but furthermore, he wants us to know, I got you. And I've got this and I've got your situation and I've got you and it's all gonna be okay. So, so a godly man says in Psalm 37, 24, when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. In Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, we are commanded to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God wants to uphold us through the crushing burdens that we face at time to time. There's a great Christian author named Nancy Guthrie um, who she and her husband lost two children before they were six months old to a genetic defect. And she says the following, when you groan because there's no words for the hurt, when you cry out to God with hot tears, when you agonize over his plan that has caused you such pain, look at Hebrews 5, 7 through 9 and see that God understands what it is like to cry out to the Father who has the power to make another way, enact another plan, and yet he chooses not to. In Hebrews 5, 7 through 9, it talks about Jesus submitting to the Father's will. And I'll, this is referring to the, the incident where Jesus is going to the cross and then he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays, Father, if possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will. And obviously, Christ is Christ's plan. He had to go to the cross. And there are some times when the trials are going to be there. They're, they're not going to go away, no matter how much we pray. But we have the assurance 
that God is there with us always. God always say, also says he will up, uphold us with his righteous right hand. It's, it uh, says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has made everything fit beautifully for the appropriate time. So David could say in the Psalms 31.10, but as for me, I trust in you. My times are in your hand. You've always heard God gives us exactly the amount of grace we need for today, this day. He's not going to give you tomorrow's grace. David Powelson again says, quote, the wisdom you need to suffer is like manna. You receive nourishment every day. So as we have to come back in, in God's presence, because God wants to bless us with not only the help he wants to give us, but God wants us to have the joy of coming back into his presence. Not pray once in the God take care of me every day this week, but to have the joy of just knowing of your heavenly father loving on you as you come into his presence. We know that whatever God has said, that he will be faithful to fulfill everything he said. It says, tells us in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are answered yes. So through him we say amen to the glory of God. Now all of these things are true. God will be who he says, but obviously there's a part on our part where we have to make the choice to trust him. Um, Jerry Bridges says, in order to trust God, we must know him in an intimate, personal way. David said in Psalm 910, again, those who know your name will trust you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. To know God's name is to know him in an intimate, personal way. It is more than knowing facts about God. It's coming to a deeper personal relationship with him as a result of seeking him in the midst of personal pain and discovering him to be trustworthy. It is only as we know God in this personal way that we trust him. So as we come to know him, all these things I've mentioned, all the things that he is, we will know that we can trust him. And all of us, at some time or another, we are gonna be just like the person that wanted to be healed by Jesus. And Jesus asked him, uh, do you believe I can do this? His response was, Lord, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. And I, and I think that's where of us that walk with God are so often. We, we know God has got everything. We know that in our heart of hearts, God is our only hope and trust. But we need to constantly ask him, help me to get this perspective. And knowing again that he's never gonna insult you because you come to him in weakness, because he knows your frame. He is mindful that you're but dust. Okay, it has a good summary of things we've been talking about in a, a hymn called uh, How Firm a Foundation. So I'll be merciful to you, I won't sing it, I'll read the lyrics. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and shall still give thee aid. I'll strengthen and help thee and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the river shall not overflow you, for I will be with thee thy troubles to bless 
and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials the pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Charles Spurgeon said, in all of our wanderings, the watchful glance of the eternal watcher is ever fixed on us. We never roam beyond the shepherd's eye. In our sorrows, he observes us incessantly and not a pang escapes him in all our trials. He marks all our weariness and writes in his book all the struggles of his faithful ones. Not a nerve or tissue, not a valve or vessel of our bodily organization is uncared for. All of the littles of our little world are thought upon by our great God. Okay, we know, we've heard our loving Heavenly Father, when he says, fear not, or be dismayed, we know that he is omnipotent. His power is vast, it's limitless. We know he's omniscient. We know that he knows exactly what is going on with us. He knows how much we're hurting. And we also know that since he's our God, he will never fail to do exactly as he said. And since he said he will strengthen us, he will strengthen us. Since he said he will help us, he will help us. And since God is the one we know that can sustain and uphold us, he knows exactly what we need at our time or need. Our God lovingly and sovereignly watches over all the events of our life. So um, it says of God, he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So as we know and we experience God's comfort, we have the privilege of God gives us experiences of his comfort so when someone else in the body needs it, we can also comfort them. It, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 2 through 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, we do look forward to the day when we're going to be with the Lord, and then it says, it says in Revelation 21, He's gonna wipe away every tear from their eye. There'll be no longer any death, no longer any mourning or crying or pain. But while we're on earth, we have the privilege to trust God in the midst of our afflictions and have him flood our heart with the hope of knowing that his loving presence is with us. And as we trust him through our difficulties and our trials, it all resounds to God's glory and honor and praise. And so as it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, therefore we do not lose heart, but though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says he'll do. Therefore, remember, God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, 
I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I praise you and I thank you that you're such a mighty, kind, loving, omniscient, omnipotent God. I thank you so much that you love us, each and every one of your people, and you love us personally. I thank you, Lord, that you, you take such good care of us. I just pray that you teach us how to trust you always and help us, Lord, at those times that are, we're really out of, out of focus, Lord, and just bring us back, Lord, to the remembrance of just who you are and how much you're there and how much you love and care for us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.